You are listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast, featuring conversations with experts on talent topics that help organizations win in today's dynamic business environment. Welcome to SHL Talent Talks. My name is Lance Andrews. I'm an industrial and organizational psychologist, and I lead our solutions consulting team here at SHL. I'm joined by my two colleagues, Phil Diaz and Edgar Zapata. Phil and Edgar, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks, Lance. Yeah. Doing well. Thank you so much, Lance. Great. Well, so Phil and Edgar, we, we talk technology hiring all the time. Um, just to get us started here, why don't you just share with, with us and share with the audience some of the main challenges that we're seeing for hiring for technology roles? What are we, what are we hearing from I think the, the, the biggest thing that we're hearing really is just the, the ever-changing environment in today's world and, and staying current with, with the hiring needs of, of developers and, and technology folks across the world. You know, we, we've kind of got hit overnight with a pandemic. We had to change up the way that we went about our hiring processes um, from, you know, doing everything more from a virtual standpoint. And what we found is you really just can't take your physical recruitment process and simply move it online. There's a lot of moving pieces. A lot of ways that we had to work with our clients to kind of figure out, you know, the best ways to go about that. And I was just going to add in there exactly what um, Phil had just said. You know, I'm hearing um, day in and day out from clients that they want to make sure that they are ready to move forward. A lot of these organizations have really in, made large investments over the last few years, but especially when pandemic hit, they really made some really large investments in their IT organization. So they want to make sure they have, they have the right tech talent in place to take them to that next strategic um, step. And so assessments being a big part of that piece. And a lot of times they just don't know where step one in the process is. And so that's kind of uh, always a, a good question that comes into mind. Yeah. I mean, to that, to that point, Edgar, I mean, I think it was a slow and steady uh, maybe a crawl or, or walk to as organizations were becoming consumer behavior was 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 gravitating towards e-commerce and digital ways of behaving and interacting with with companies and then all of a sudden like you said last year it was a giant leap forward in a very very fast way so organizations had to quickly become even almost purely e-commerce or purely digital overnight otherwise they faced extinction so that yeah the, the massive uh, uptake, uptick in needing to have the skills to help build out the infrastructure to accommodate that was, so now retail organizations are, are shifting their, their balance, it shifted overnight to, to being e-commerce. So that definitely changed what uh, the, the prioritization of that, that function and, and having more resources brought in house to, to enable that was a massive change brought on very rapidly last year. Um, so yeah, maybe telling a little bit more, what are spe any specifics on how companies either are doing it well or some of the challenges they're having with adapting to that new, new environment? Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more and especially hearing from other clients, you know, uh, you know, just even from a personal perspective, you know, obviously prior to pandemic, you know, I know myself, I wasn't really going into like a brick and mortar uh, financial institution for my banking needs. I was really at that point already doing 
as much as possible virtual, whether it be on my desktop, laptop, or on my uh, mobile smartphone. And with the pandemic that really, as you mentioned, really just kicked things into gear. And so what a lot of these organizations, the ones that are, you know, what I consider to be uh, more forward thinking and, and, and being really strategic, have really invested their resources in making sure that they've got the right uh, tech hires on in place. And the time to hire a uh, the right uh, software programmer can be a really extensive, sometimes a, a 30 day, 60 day process. And we want to shorten that process because often these candidates, especially from like a technical perspective, will have multiple offers on the table. So a lot of times what they're doing is just making sure that they've got a efficient recruitment process in place. And that would include um, an assessment, a coding assessment that would help their organization be able to evaluate their um, their candidate a lot quicker. So that's not only is it helping the the recruitment team, but it's also helping with the candidate process because the candidate wants to get there pretty quickly as well. They don't want this long drawn out process where they're having to have this one hour to two hour long process with a, you know, a lead of a technical team. It's just going to draw out that process. So I think having some um, other uh, solutions in place to help with that process is going to be really helpful. Yeah, I completely agree, Edgar. It's it's really looking at, you know, the way companies have really expanded that IT budget to kind of create more meaningful and kind of impactful experiences for the candidate. And you're you're completely spot on in, in regards to, you know, developers and and programmers having multiple offers. I think uh, industry stat a couple of years ago was they have roughly about two to three offers when looking for a new role. And it's really just you know, working working specifically with with our clients to create that engaging candidate experience to where when they go through, they really get a day in the life of what it's like to work at that org, in the engineering department, and then maybe helping them all the way through that selection process. Yeah, and w- expand a little bit more on the the notion I we've touched on the skills skills part of it, Edgar. You've mentioned testing, but the the entire I guess the selection portfolio that companies are evaluating. What are the things that the, is there a part that's broken where organizations are maybe making mistakes or not uh, getting the, the, the best information for making accurate hiring decisions? Yeah, I think, I think what we've seen really in, in specific to technology hiring is in the last, you know, however many years or so, companies were really focused on that hard skill, that, that technical skill, how well someone can actually program in Java, C Sharp, uh, how well they can do, you know, front end development in HTML, CSS. And what we're finding now in this virtual world is really the need to look at those other traits, the, the personality traits, the behavioral traits, those cognitive traits, and how they might interact with other team members, how they might work in an agile environment. Um, so we are seeing more of this shift and moving away from those hard skills and kind of marrying it to those soft skills. So I think you know, organizations that are doing it really well have the ability to kind of look at not only the hard skill, but also the soft skill and how they're really going to impact the, the business overall, not just from a technical standpoint, but also, you know, teamwork, um, just, just whatever it may be, just overall just impact to the, the organization. Yeah, and I'd have to agree with Phil on that piece as well. And that's definitely something that, um, you know, I regularly meet with clients and they're having these type of um, discussions as well as, you know, uh, focusing on just hard skills isn't enough because everything's really changed, right? Everything's become remote. And now you're really having to um, communicate 
uh, with uh, your coworkers and colleagues effectively and efficiently via some other um, areas, whether it be through you know Zoom calls or virtual calls or whatever it may be, you have to be able to communicate. And so if you're only looking at one piece of the puzzle, which is that hard skills piece, you might be missing out on a really, truly great candidate who's actually going to help build out your team better by adding in there some of those uh, communication skills and some of those other pieces. In fact, I read a Forbes article just a few weeks ago that talked about Google looking for machine learning talent, and they actually look, they too look beyond just the technical skills pieces. They're looking at some of those pieces, you know, are they great communicators? Do they do they work with others? Are they flexible? And so these are just, you know, obviously Google being a very highly, uh, you know, technical organization and, and, and very admirable. Um, these are what other organizations are also talking about as well. Yeah, I mean, if you think just just how development teams programming and in engineering has has changed in and of itself, leading up to even before everyone was forced forced into virtual work, that is that has actually changed that mix of those soft skills too. I mean, it's 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 interdependent. You're working in sprints. You're working on agile teams, and you've got a lot of interpersonal inter interdependencies that require that that teamwork collaboration different types of analytical skills that haven't necessarily been the focus and you'll you'll miss when just looking at a pure technical evaluation so i think certainly on the mark there um I, something it just jogged a memory too i mean just thinking about something i i talked to customers so putting on my io psychologist consultant hat on to and micro has been focused on building and maintaining assessment programs for not just tech hiring and just across the board but one of the things that, that i saw and this certainly applies in this scenario is that last year as organizations were forced to quickly shift everything 100 percent virtual for their hiring process i think they learned really quickly that it wasn't as simple as just taking all of the components that were in place for their physical in-person process and moving that virtual, just as simple as the the how are how are com how are candidates learning about the organization? So they're coming on site, they're getting to see the campus, they're getting to meet the the they, they're seeing the 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 cafeteria and they're seeing all the different the the physical work work environment and the the perks and and getting to meet team members. How do you replicate that in a in a completely virtual process and how do you convey the culture and help the candidates make that decision themselves that was something that most organizations were missing and i think are even still now trying to infuse that back into the process anything about the the, the candidate experience or the hiring process for digital or like technology roles that you're seeing any, any trends or, or challenges or customers that are doing it well I'd say another trend that we saw just by introducing, you know, a, a type of online um, recruitment process is really the, from an attraction standpoint, the ability to kind of get some passive candidates or even candidates that you wouldn't see from a resume standpoint. You know, what, what we found in technology is a lot of these developers are going through these coding boot camps. Uh, they have degrees in finance, accounting, marketing, but uh, they are fantastic developers. And organizations have found a really unique way to attract, you know, people that might not be seen through a LinkedIn or, you know, a, a job board just by having that background in development. And it turns out that these folks in that finance background are, you know, some of their top developers. So just the ability to kind of use a solution to look outside of the, the typical recruitment process we've seen as a as a great trend for folks and a great way to kind of bring in, you know, some, some more people from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. 
And I was just going to add in there, you know, to bring it to like a more of like a customer specific um, example. You know, I do have a really large organization that's a financial services organization. So they do uh, the mortgage industry. They work in the mortgage industry. And so obviously over the last year, if unless you've been living under a rock, we all know that uh, mortgage rates have hit an all-time low over the last few decades. And so in that particular um, industry, that's really taken off. And so these uh, mortgage and financial services industries have, in those ones that have done well, have really um, expanded their um, not just their their tech departments, but just their overall, you know, um, you know, whether it be loan processors, whatever it may be, and having those type of uh, having a more of a two way process. So not just where the candidate is just going through the motions of, of applying, taking an assessment and then, you know, waiting for perhaps the email from a recruiter to to set up an interview, you want to be more engaged with that with that actual candidate. And this particular um, organization that I work closely with, they have this full engagement, um, full experience with that candidate, where they go through that process, they get an actual realistic preview of what that job entails that they're applying for. They get a little bit more information. They kind of have a step in the process, so they're constantly being communicated throughout the entire. Um, process in, in the application process. And it's really just helped both not just the candidate, but also the organization. Because even if that candidate isn't accepted at the organization, you want that candidate to have a really good experience so that it gives a good brand name recognition for that organization as well. Yeah, that that's a great point. I mean, I think it's a, we often forget that a recruitment process is a two-way form of communication. Of course, the organization wants to learn whether or not this person has the ability or the potential to succeed, whether they're a fit, but the candidate is evaluating them just as much, just as much. I mean, do, do they see themselves being able to contribute? Do they, do they want to work for you as an organization? And to fill you, I think, what was it? Two candidates have two or three offers on, on the table. So having, creating value for the candidate to make not only a memorable experience, but one that is actually helping them with that decision-making process is, uh, certainly something that or the, the better organizations, if you have a more thoughtful end-to-end -end experience uh, that is helping inform the candidate, they're going to be more likely to, to make a better informed decision and hopefully to work with you as, as the, the, the company with an offer on the table. Yeah, um, so another thing I actually wanted to ask you, ask you guys about is there's been a very positive side effect to the, the virtualization of the workforce and that's been it's broadened um, organizations that have made the decision to not limit by location and not require people to come into physical work environments which has allowed them to tap into workforces and in different talent pools across the country and across the globe that is a, a very much a, a positive uh, force for in getting better talent or more diverse talent but to use a maybe a, a Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility, or, or Uncle Ben's quote. Uh, I think that scale, the ability to have that scale also then brings on a new set of challenges to ensure that if you're if you're not appropriately planning for how to unbiased or debiased work uh, selection process, you could potentially bake in some type of bias into a into your hiring process. So do you see anything that organizations are doing to proactively combat that to ensure that they're actually helping promote a diverse workforce? rather than uh, potentially uh, baking in some type of bias or, or 
a discriminatory hiring, hiring process. Yeah, Lance, I, I think that's a really good point. I, I think what we saw in the past as trends is, you know, a lot of the times this, this process would be handled by the IT teams, by the technology folks. Um, you know, they would have access, they would go in, they would create what they felt was right to assess a candidate on. And then from there, it would kind of create, a, you know, this, this unbiased or unstructured process because you'd have 15 different type of assessments for one solution uh, or for one requisition. And now what we're finding in the last two years or so is a lot more HR folks are getting involved in the discussions. We want to standardize. We want to validate. We want to ensure that we have a reliable assessment process in place. And I think it's really helping um, the conversations and internally at our clients' organizations just from you know, HR teams and technology teams being on the same page and understanding why there is this need to validate. Um, so I'd say to your point, Lance, we're seeing a lot more kind of influence happening from the HR side than we saw five or six years ago, just this being specifically driven from technology. And once again, I think that's really just helping shape the, the internal discussions and helping shape where you know, these, these solutions can kind of expand internally at an organization. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with that um, more as well. I mean, obviously these organizations um, need to have a process where the candidate feels like they have a fair shot at it. And I couldn't tell you the number of times I sit on conversations where these organizations, um, you know, don't have a structured, um, you know, whether it be an interview process in place and they kind of were the tech department was very, you know, loosey goosey. They were still, you know, following their gut instinct and maybe they would have a the the technical uh, manager, you know, actually uh, evaluating uh, a set of unvalidated um, questions that just came from, you know, something they searched online for that's not validated again from an IO perspective. Um, you know, you're really at that point introducing subjectivity into the whole process. And that's something that these organizations need to step away from. They need to start looking at these, uh, looking at trying to eliminate that subjectivity in, into that process. And by having uh, assessments as, as a piece of that puzzle is going to be really helpful. But then on top of that, as previously mentioned, you know, making sure that you're looking at the person from like a holistic approach. So you're not just looking at just their hard skills, but you're looking at some of those other areas areas that they would be that your organization needs that person to bring that they're able to the soft skills that they can bring to that organization as well and that's really helped with some of the diversity aspect yeah well yeah and you you mentioned the the gut feel and part of the challenge there is you know you, you ask five people if whether they feel they're a good judge of character or not and no one's going to say no everyone is going to trust their intuition but even more fundamentally to like you know, saying one person's gut feel. If you have five people in that decision-making process, their idea of whatever that gut feel, whatever their definition of what good looks like is probably different. So taking, you know, a very simple thing is to come to some common agreement about what the success profile is. What are the traits you're looking for? What are the competencies, abilities, experiences, and technical proficiencies and laying that on the table. And that's one of the most basic things so that you all have a agreement on what you're actually looking for, because otherwise you're in this scenario where everyone is just trusting their, their gut and there, there's no actual def, definition of what that is. And you get into a scenario where you're more likely to favor a couple very uh, visible traits, like a technical proficiency without looking at the, the soft skill to use that phrase that you brought up, Edgar, you know, the, the, the competencies that are truly important for success. And you really kind of exacerbate that when you've got multiple people with different definitions of what they're looking for. 
Cool. And, and I guess, Lance, to kind of tie things back to, to my previous statement and, and looking at ways that, you know, some of our clients and organizations are going through kind of more of a, a standardized process and looking at ways that they can validate, you know, certain types of assessments. Are you seeing any specific trends happening, um, you know, in your discussions in the IO realm in terms of, you know, maybe the more why validation and, and the need to have it in the technology space? Yeah, and that's a... It's a, it's a good question. And I, one of the things that I think is inherent to this, kind of what I was just mentioning before, but having a the definition of what you're looking for, just establishing that. I mean, there's some tools that we have in our toolkit as, as IO psychologists, job analysis. It's, you know, not, not exciting, but it's, it's important. And just, it doesn't need to involve a really large scale effort to gather tons of data, but just having a structured approach for establishing what those success profile what those characteristics look like. And it's easy with skills. And that's the thing with technology jobs. You can say, I need people that have these coding skills or these programming abilities or these this engineering experience. But taking a step back to look at how people, how your teams work together, what capabilities you need that are beyond those skills and, and just having a structured process for engaging subject matter experts, that's current employees, uh, managers, so that you can just get on paper what you're looking for and have interview questions. And ideally, you know, we have assessment tools to help you tap into those uh, competency-based abilities or potential measures that, that round out the view along with, with skills assessments. But just taking a structured approach, a job analyst, job analysis, or at least a, some, some focus groups to identify what, what you need. And organizations are, are doing that more and more because it, it, the, the shift from needing just skills to, to looking at, at broader competencies has been happening. I can't remember. I think both of both of you have mentioned that at various points, and that's happened. And organizations are taking more of a structured approach approach to defining that, and it also helps with, you know, people are moving around. So like, certain pushes in in, in development cycles, you need more of a focus on certain language capabilities, but then you are going to need additional uh, uh, another project down the road in six months where you need a different set of skills. And so having uh, a, a a bench, uh, a, a mix of capabilities throughout your workforce and just knowing where you have different strengths and weaknesses and deploying your talent appropriately is uh, another way organizations are tackling it. So having more of a portfolio and understanding the capabilities of your team and where they have strengths and where they're best suited and, and deploying your talent so that when you create these agile teams, you can do it based off of objective information from skills to, to competency-based measures. So taking a more holistic view of how you define success and how you measure the the capability and potential to succeed against those work requirements is a, is probably one of the biggest things that I've that I've seen. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, Phil and Edgar is great catching up, great chatting. We talk about technology selection and hiring all the time. Um, would look forward to talking to any of you that are listening about this more. If you're interested in uh, more on our point of view, uh, the three of us actually have a, a webinar coming up in, in May and would be glad to have you there. We actually have some guests coming as well. So if you want more information on this topic or anything else, please check out shl.com and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for the conversation, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you all. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast. To learn more about our work, helping organizations attract and select candidates and identify and grow leaders, please visit shl.com.